This is Coffee and Camino, and I'm Luke Mills. Welcome to Coffee Camino. My name's Luke Mills, where we talk about all things Camino. Today I am with Pat and Anne O'Brien, and we are sitting down in the Catholic Leadership Centre here in East Melbourne. And uh, we're very spoilt because um, we've had a coffee and we're very, very relaxed down here. We're the only ones in the dining room here. It seems to be very, very quiet indeed. Uh, yet it's about 37 degrees outside. So I'm very happy to be here. So welcome, Pat. Thanks, Luke. Welcome, Anne. Thanks, Luke. Before we get going, listen, just we're having a really good discussion about why you came down here. So just tell us a little bit about yourselves and where you live, because that's how I got to know you, and why you're in Melbourne for this weekend. Okay, we're, uh, <laughs> we're retired. Uh, we uh, have lived in a whole lot of places in Australia and overseas uh, over the years, and uh, the last place we lived at was Swan Hill. Uh, um, when we retired, we moved to the coast at Cape Bridgewater near Portland, right on the Great Southwest Walk, which many listeners would be aware is part of the Aussie Camino and uh, since we've been there uh, we've uh, and even before we moved there we've undertaken a number of uh, long distance walks uh, Caminos in Spain and walks in Scotland as well as walking the Aussie Camino. Well I've got a whole lot of those ones which I'd really love to uh, talk to you about because there's a there's it seems to be a, a litany if that's the right word for a whole lot of walks everywhere so we'll get on to that and and can you tell us why why did we here this weekend because that was quite an interesting story too. We've come down for a concert which we attended last night at um, the State Library in the Isabella Fraser Room mm -hmm. uh, by a group called La Campagna. Um, something we didn't also mention is we, we, after the concert, we caught up with a very long-term friend who's here on holiday from Scotland. So we met him and had dinner with him, yeah. which was wonderful because we only, his wife just passed away last November. Oh and um, this is the first time, of course, we've seen him since then. And uh, it was great to see him. We're also catching up with, um, after we've seen you, Luke, we're catching up with a, a fellow Camino walker, uh, a girl called Santina from Germany, who's now in Melbourne working as an au pair. And um, we're looking forward to catching up with her for lunch today. Well, that um, sounds absolutely fantastic, and I, um, uh, I um, really, you know, have um, enjoyed my time actually out there. Pat and Anne didn't actually say that I've actually stayed at their house at Cape Bridgewater, uh, which is a beautiful place and right on the beach there, and it's a it's a real favourite. So, for those people who have been on the uh, Aussie Camino with me or if with another group, often we catch up down there at the kiosk, and it's um, it's beautiful down there. I, I bet you've enjoyed it there over the last, what, five years now, I suppose? Yes, almost four yeah. and a half years. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we love it. It's yeah. beautiful. The coast is wonderful. Yeah, oh, good. Now, 
Pat, you you were talking earlier on about your very, very first Camino. We'll go back and have a bit of a chat about that. Now that was, well, you went in August, Nine, uh, t- 2014, uh, you did the usual St. Jean-Pierre de Port, but where did you get the inspiration to, to do that? In 2012, a lady I worked with uh, in Swan Hill had seen a new book on display at the Swan Hill Library, and the book was called, entitled Memoirs of a Pilgrim, written by Brad Kyle, who uh, was at that stage, and may still be, a teacher in Melbourne. Brad found himself in the UK in, I think, 2010 or 11, and uh, I believe, if I'm recalling this correctly, that his father died and he wasn't in Australia and he wasn't able to return. He was significantly affected by the loss of his father and made an off-the-cuff decision to walk the French Camino and uh, just set off and uh, then wrote the book, Memoirs of a Pilgrim, about that. this lady uh, referred the book to me and I read it and I was captivated by the idea and thought what a wonderful thing to do. And before Anne and I were able to actually take any action on it, another lady I worked with who was an adventurous character was also inspired and she walked the French Camino in 2013 beating us by 12 months. Did what, reading the same book? Yeah, reading the same book, exactly. And uh, she's a great friend of ours as well and has done lots of walking around the place. But anyway, that inspired us to to head off in 2014 and go to France. After we were both retired. Yeah. Yes, well, that's, that's sort of the um, quite an unusual thing, I would say, uh, because you've probably walked a fair few Caminos and a few long distances since you retired. In your working lives, were you considered to be, did you consider yourself to be walkers at all? No. No. Uh, no, but then I was a nurse. Yes. And I spent all my day on my feet. Right. And probably did walk a lot of kilometres during my career mm-hmm. and as a mother, mm-hmm. uh, but not as a long distance walker at all. <laughs> and so when you first went out there in 2014, it was a bit of a leap of faith, a step out into the dark, because you didn't really know how you were going to, no, to survive. No, although. Uh, we did. We walked more than 800 kilometres in training around Swan Hill before we set off because we were adamant that we were going to be able to get from the start to the finish successfully. What we didn't realise until the very first day walking out of San Juan was that preparation at Swan Hill on the flat didn't, didn't Prepare you yeah, for, for the climbing up the Pyrenees. <laughs> well, there's the Masetta. That was been all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. But that was a long there's way a away. Yeah. Yes, it was a long way away. Yeah. 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 But, um, but we were quite fit and, uh, and pretty well prepared. Yeah, I think that's the thing that we sort of um, experience too. It's, it's hard to sort of fabricate the type of walking that you're going to do when you're just training. You know, we're flying to the other side of the world here from Australia, so it's going to be different, different in climactic terms just for starters. And, you know, I think you, you have, certainly have to try out all your equipment and mm. just see how your body responds under certain sorts of conditions. But it's very hard to fabricate the actual times and distances and the, the actual conditions that you're going to be coming into. Um, I suppose, you know, we, we certainly weren't able to walk 800 k's, but I knew that I'd walked 
a few days and mm. uh, my partner had uh, prepared herself a little bit but we certainly didn't walk the, the that sort of time but mm. um, yeah it, it is hard to replicate that you just really sometimes have to work work it out as you go sometimes mm. and manage it a bit. Yeah, yeah. look we probably overdid it um, walking so much beforehand and I, I say that now in hindsight because we were walking uh, distances sometimes more than 20 kilometres and Looking back at it now, I think, and I've come to the conclusion after the various Caminos we've walked, that um, if in your preparation you could walk 15 kilometres in less than four hours and you can handle a hill or two in that, yeah. then you're going to be pretty well prepared. You're yes. going to be fit enough. We've heard recently yeah. about somebody preparing who's walking 30 kilometres at a time. And yeah. that's, With full pack. Yeah, yeah, which is just unnecessary. Every day. Probably over the top. It yeah. is over the yeah. top. Yeah. As um, one of our daughters who has walked um, Kokoda track twice, and she used to say, because she would phone us when we were on the Camino and say, don't worry, Mum, you'll become track fit. <laughs> and that's very true. You do. Yeah. You become track fit yeah. as you are yeah. walking along. I tend to think of it, it's actually more of a management thing rather than a preparation thing. I, I, I think because I think you need to know how to manage yourself under certain situations, whether that's the terrain, the weather or how your body's mm. feeling. And if you do become sore or tired, Sometimes it's better to know, okay, well, if I rest, I'll be okay. Or this needle in my knee, yes, that sometimes comes. But if I um, just have another rest, it'll go. And Or put something in the soles of my shoes, which I do, if I know how things respond in that way. Um, and so it's, that's, the, that's what I do. I think I, it's probably the best thing, I think, is to not um, leave too many things to surprise mm. <laughs> when you're out there. Um, so it's, it's a funny sort of thing because I've talked about people who really haven't been before and then they and other people who have been out and you need to be well prepared but it's a diff it's, it's more than just being fit. I think you need to be healthy but you need to be well prepared as well, yeah. Yeah, look it was funny we walked out of uh, St John and I had a plastic map case strung around the neck with a map in it and all this stuff and we made the same mistake that every other novice Camino pilgrim makes and yeah. that is we carried too much stuff to start with and we disposed of that at uh, Estadia, put it in the post and sent it either home or onto Santiago and uh, reduced our backpacks yeah. uh, considerably. We had a funny story at, um, at St. John. We stayed in just one of the Jite, I think they're called, there in uh, St. John. St John, just in the main in the main street there, and the hospitaliera, uh, hospitaliero, um, was very good enough to pick my backpack up and to take it upstairs to where we're staying there. So we we were been to the pilgrim's office, we were ready to come in. He, we checked in and then he picked my backpack up and we walked up two flights of stairs. And he said, "Oh, to you, to me, he said, uh, are you um, walking the whole way to?" to Santiago and I said yes and he said not with this backpack you're not <laughs> <laughs> and I had a really restless night that night um, and I Shelley and myself had a bit of a laugh and then that night 
uh, early the next morning, we had two sleeping bags, bags there and we took them both out and I left them as a present for him. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, I think everybody does the same yeah, thing. I really. think they do. Yeah, okay, so tell us a little bit about that, you know, that very first time that you went out, that must have been like a real revelation to you. Yeah, Yeah. walking up the Pyrenees, Pyrenees. <laughs> was a bit um, of a surprise having spent our preparation on the flat at Swan it, Hill. It took us uh, four hours to walk the first eight kilometres Yes. So two kilometre hours yeah. um, going up to Orizon. We had did you stay in Orizon? Yes, yeah, we, we did. stayed yeah. at yes. Orizon. Yes. We had pre-booked it, yes. um, which I am really pleased that yeah. we had. Um, we met some amazing people yeah. on on the walking that, up the mountain. Walking yeah. up the mountain that yeah. we met and again it, at Orizon. Including who an Australian lady whom uh, we're still friends with. Met her on the first day and uh, saw her again at Finisterra after we'd been to San, got to Santiago. Um, and she's been to stay with us uh, at Cape Bridgewater. The, the morning we left Saint-Jean was a bit cloudy. It wasn't cold. Um, it was, this was about the 22nd of August. Um, and there was a little bit of a drizzle mm -hmm. off and on. Mm -hmm. And we got to Orizon. Uh, it was quite cool actually up there. And in the afternoon, a massive thunderstorm. Oh. And we were so glad that we were in Orizon and not continuing to walk to Roncesvalles. Yeah, the auberge was great. They had a, they have every day, they have a communal meal in the evening and they ask everybody individually to stand up and introduce themselves and say where they're from and it was a remarkable thing we had people from lots of different countries uh, outside of Europe South America Brazil uh, Hungary uh, Spain three Spanish characters came in but everybody uh, South Africa uh, Holland uh, England and so on anyway everybody introduced themselves in English regardless of their native tongue, except for these three characters from Salamanca who in Spain who, yes. who couldn't speak English. Yes. Uh, but there were 30 odd people there, yeah. and uh, including a, a number of other Australians, and a Dutch lass we met uh, who had terrible blisters. Uh, the next day uh, in Roncesvalles. Yeah, well, I think oh, they were starting yeah. by the time she got yeah. to Horizon, and by the time she got, and we got to Roncesvalles the next Day, I ended up having to look after them for her because right. they, were, they were about that size on oh, both heels. About 50 cent pieces. And, yeah. and the skin had come right off. Oh dear. Yeah. But anyway, she's mm. been a visit us in, in Cape Bridgewater oh, as well. Good. Will you take in the weary and the, <laughs> and the desperate, those well, things? Your, your nursing skills, Anne, would have yeah, come in yeah. most handy there, yes, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. As long as people were happy to accept them and not <laughs> well, they have were, any right. responsibility. Well, there was an Italian. Uh, was it Italian bloke uh, yeah, in uh, Andres Munoz, Alberge Andres Munoz? Yeah. Yes, he mm. did his heels as well. Mm. Oh, okay. A number of others. Now, uh, your, your next venture um, was in 2015, and that's when I got to know you because you, um, you came out on the Aussie Camino, not in my group, but you went... Um, you, you went on that and that does go past your f front door and, and some people have said that the Aussie Camino is harder than the Caminos in Spain. I'm not sure <laughs> uh, how, would it, how would it rank it now in your, um, in your estimations? Well, when we did it, you still had 
that long day yes, from 39 kilometres. Yes. And <laughs> luck, luckily, we had a support driver. Yes. And um, he, so I actually did not walk the 30 kilom, 39 kilometres. Yes. I think I walked over 20 kilometres. Yes. So as far as I'm concerned, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but and and some places the hard the soft sand was yeah. um, a bit difficult. Yeah, that's, of but course it's very tight. You know, very seasonal there. Of so course, yeah. yes, yeah. 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 But, um, but it was it was a, a really, it was good, really experience. good fun. It was yes. good fun. Um, very enjoyable and different, different because of the different history, of yeah. course, uh, associated with Mary McKillop, and different from a terrain point of view. Obviously, the coast is just fantastic. Mm. Uh, but interestingly, when we, when we walked the Camino del Norte last year along the coast, north coast of Spain, um, there was nothing more beautiful, or even less beautiful I suppose, but it was different than the Australian coastline yeah, and yeah. The, the Aussie Camino yeah. traverses. And uh, so it's, the Aussie Camino was good fun. Yeah, we're really blessed with that part um, of the world there. Uh, for those people that may or may not know, the Aussie Camino is in the very far southwest of um, of the state of Victoria, and it does. We go into the southeastern uh, parts of South Australia, up through Panola. So basically, from Portland through to Panola, and it's really quite an isolated spot. Not many people really know much about it at all. Um, it's quite a long way from Melbourne, and I think it's equidistant to Adelaide. So mm. you get a you get visitors from both of those um, cities but not in the sorts of uh, numbers that you might cons uh, that you might anticipate because it's absolutely beautiful part of the world uh, along there along the uh, great southwest walk and mm. and into south australia yeah okay now out, up next we had a, a non-Camino in 2015. You went out on the West Highland Way. Now, I know nothing about this because we're going off on a tangent here, but tell us the, a little bit of the, the um, motivations for going out on that and perhaps a little bit of also what it's like because I don't know if many people would know about that, uh, that venture. We were going to Scotland um, in October, November 2015 because I was going back to a... 40-year reunion for was it 40? for my nursing graduation, oh. and uh, we fact, decided. It wasn't at the start of the course. No, that was in 2012. Oh, well, they and had I a 40-year anniversary for that. Yeah. Too. <laughs> and I went back then. Oh, both ends of the course. <laughs> yes. So this was for my nursing graduation in Edinburgh, um, and because we were going. There's no point in going for a short period, so yes. we decided to go for six weeks, and uh, we incorporated walking the West Highland Way and then doing a, a car. We drove for a few weeks around the north of Scotland yes. and up and up to Orkney. Um, the West Highland Way commences in a small place called Mulgai, mm -hmm. actually spelt and most people would actually say by looking at it, Milngavi, but it's pronounced Mulgai. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes up on the east coast of, uh, east side of Loch Lomond, um, up to uh, Glencoe, and finishes at Fort William. So, how many days and how many kilometres would we say? Uh, I think it took us seven days. And mm, it's about it uh, 155 or 160 kilometres. Oh, look, it might be a little bit longer than that. 
I think, and we might have even taken a bit longer. Maybe. The, the, eight, look, eight just days. to give you a feel for it, you, you cross the highlands, uh, you <coughs> walk up the valley of Loch Lomond, and the eastern side of the loch is incredibly difficult, steep, rocky, wow. and treed. And narrow. And, and the path, the footpath, is one foot that is your the foot at the end of your leg wide so you have to put your feet one in front of the other wow it's up and down very slippery and in some places there are ladders in some places to go up the vertical rocks oh. and in other places you have to slide down the rocks on your backside to to, to make the descent wow. and it took us 10 hours 10 hours to walk uh, along the about 20 kilometers yeah about day. 20 kilometers yeah. so that was incredibly slow uh, walking but uh, it was beautiful. And what sort of accommodation do you do? Like, who are the like? Where do people most likely to stay? How how is mm. the, How is it most likely uh, done? Uh, well, or I, th I think some people may carry tents mm. and and yes, sleep, yeah, sleep that way. So. There are various um, bed and breakfast bed and breakfast hotels. Camping guest grounds. houses um, mm -hmm. and camping grounds. Yeah. And we stayed at a variety of. Uh, we stayed at ho we stayed at the hotel at uh, uh, Glencoe. Yeah, we stayed at a bed uh, and breakfast in Balm at, at um, Belmaha. Oh, hotel at Belmaha. Uh, uh, which before is before that, Drummond. Yeah, bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast. Yeah. Uh, so we stayed in a variety of places. Mm -hmm. We stayed in a cabin in the camping ground mm -hmm. uh, on the east side. Um, and uh, what's the name of the uh, hotel, Kings? King's Head, I think, is it the King's King, Head? Oh no, King's House. King's House. King's House Hotel at the entrance to Glencoe. Mm -hmm. And we stayed at another another B&B on the other side of, from, of, the, of the mountains from Glencoe. Mm. And then we walked into uh, Fort William around the base of Ben Nevis. Ben oh, Nevis was, was to was, the right of us. Okay. Yeah, which was spectacular. Highest peak in the United mm. Kingdom. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes. Mm. And does the way... The West Highland Way, does it signify anything particularly? Was like, is the destination, so, or the departure point and the destination point, are they significant for any particular reason? Uh, look, it has a number of historical references. Glencoe was the, was the site of the famous massacre, or infamous massacre of the uh, McDonald's, I think, by the Campbells. Um, there are a number of military roads built by the English yes. army uh, at that stage in order to ensure that they're able to control the Scots in the Highlands. Okay. Uh, and, and so they built these military roads in order to be able to move their troops quickly. Uh, you walk on some of those. And there are also parts of the West Highland Way that relate to the Highlanders moving from one place to another or sheep stealers, sheep rustlers. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. uh, who use those parts. Rather a colourful um, a colourful uh, history there. Mm. Okay, so obviously it's, you're, it's quite high. I mean, in, in, um, in latitude, um, you probably want to go there in the, in the more summer months and things like no, that. No, actually, because, because the days the, are longer or no? No, the yeah. highlands of Scotland, unfortunately, are famous for tiny insects, like our midges. Oh dear. And you can get inundated by them and bitten alive. Um, 
certain months of the year. So summer is not a good time to actually walk. Okay, we'll cross and that, that out. <laughs> that was one of the reasons that um, we actually walked in October. In October, okay. I mean, okay. it was a coincidence that that was when we were going as yep. well. Um, and we had, we had the mix of weather. It wasn't terribly cold. We had a bit of rain. Um, no, we had some beautiful We days had some too. good days as yeah. well, and mm. we didn't encounter mm. any midges. Mm. So you just need to for it to cool down a little bit yes, to get rid of yes. all of those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah okay, sure. radio. Well, um, I think anybody who's listening here should take that on board. <laughs> From two experienced um, uh, hikers who have been through the West Highland Way, yeah. So I'm moving on now. And there's so much to talk about with Pat and Anne O'Brien, who I'm here today with. And we are talking about um, all things Camino and even some things that are non-Camino. They are very intrepid uh, walkers and hikers and pilgrims, we have to say as well. And it's been fair to say that most of this has been done in their retirement period and they absolutely voraciously um, hungry to do some more. Uh, and now I'm moving on to your next Camino, which is the Camino Portuguese. And you did that in between April and May in 2016. So mm. how would you like to just tell us a little bit about all of that? Because I've heard some remarkable stories about the Camino well, Portuguese. Yeah, well, we loved it uh, and we, took uh, an unusual way to get to Lisbon to start. We uh, started in Paris, were we in Paris? We were going to start oh. in Paris, oh, that's but right. unfortunately my yeah. brother died mm -hmm. in January 2016 on his way to Australia in South Africa. Um, and because of that, I wasn't able, I didn't go back for his funeral, but because we were going to Europe, we hadn't planned to go back to Scotland because we just were there at mm -hmm. the end of 2015. Um, we extended our trip and went to Scotland right first forward, in yeah. 2016 just to see, the to see my mm. sister-in-law and my two mm. nieces. And um, so therefore our trip to Lisbon started in Scotland. We got the train from <laughs> um, Glasgow down to London, stayed in London for one night, then we got the Eurostar to Paris, and then... Flitted across Paris at high speed in a taxi from yes, uh, yes. the Gare du Nord to Gare Montparnasse. Yeah. Yes, you know we very well. Yeah, <laughs> we caught the TGV from there to... Yes, isn't yeah. that wonderful catching the TGV? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, to Irun. Uh, Irun's Hendy is on the, the French side French of the border, side, and, and you, you just cross walk. the river. Well, you cross the river. The train goes across the river and pulls into Euron Station yes. in Spain. Yes. You walk from one side of the platform to the other side, and we got on the night train to Lisbon, which wow. was fantastic. Wow. Oh, <laughs> a fantastic. Well, it goes through Madrid. Uh, there. No, 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 it goes no. around the top there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it goes okay. across the north, and uh, it's look. The night train to Lisbon is the title of a book and a movie. Um, we didn't have those experiences on the train, but we had a sleeper compartment and uh, the train was terrific. It, it climbs out of uh, Henday, passes through the, uh, through the mountains, yeah. uh, the Pyrenees, end of the Pyrenees there, and um, then heads across the north of Spain and then down the coast to Lisbon. And we pulled into Santa Apollonia Station at about seven o'clock in the morning of the following day walked out of the station 
and there were three huge cruise ships tied up on the edge uh, on the banks of the or the right in front berth, of us. Right, were, yeah. berth, right on the edge yeah. of the river, uh, right in front of us. That was fantastic. Yeah. And we spent uh, four nights in Lisbon, but because the first day walking out of well, the first stage walking out of Lisbon's about 40 kilometres. We decided we'd do that in a couple of stages, and so we started at uh, the traditional start, which is a church near the cathedral. Went to the cathedral, and we picked up our credentials the previous day, and asked the gentleman who gave them to us to date them for the following day when we we're going to start walking. And then we walked about 15 kilometres or so out of town along the Tagus River and then caught a train back, stayed another night in Lisbon, caught the train out the following morning to where we'd stopped walking and then walked on from there and yeah. continued on our way up the Tagus for about three or four days through Santa Ray and then on to uh, Tumar, mm -hmm. uh, where there is an extraordinary Templar castle yes. in perfect condition. Yes. And uh, we stayed a second night there so we could go and have a look at the castle and also visit the Templar home church in Mother Church in Portugal which is also in Tumar but uh, down near the river. The castle's up on uh, a uh, reasonably elevated hill overlooking the river. Oh, okay. uh, we just had an unfortunate timing there. We <laughs> stayed the night that the university students were uh, celebrating their graduation from university. Right. So there was a lot of loud behaviour and heavy drinking, including in the room next door to us in the, the place we stayed. <laughs> <laughs> now, do the Portuguese have much the same attitudes towards the Camino as the Spanish do? Are they, is it to keep, I mean, because you can probably make good comparisons now in terms of the the types of um, accommodation, the, the bars and the opening hours and the hospitalieros, is it pretty much the same or do you find they have different yeah, no, I would say it's not. Um, it's not at the same not, level. Not be, from Lisbon to probably Porto, no. And I think the it, we did struggle, didn't we, to get meals early on? It, it, well, sometimes. Sometimes. Look, it's, it's a much smaller number of people yes. do the Portuguese Camino starting in Lisbon. As Anne suggested, lots more start from Porto and then many more start from Tui on the border yes. with, between Portugal and Spain and then walk the last 100 or so k's into Santiago. But uh, I reckon that the Portuguese are very aware of the uh, history of the Camino and the, have a desire to maintain it. Yes. So they, there is accommodation without a doubt and, and you can look after yourself from that point of view and you can get pilgrim menus from time to time. The thing that struck us though was that there was a there was a huge number of people we saw walking to Fatima because oh, yes. we walked at the time when the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima was about to occur, we saw tens of thousands of people, mm -hmm. tens of thousands walking along the highway so where uh, one or two lanes on the highway had been uh, marked off with yes. To, uh, cones yes. so that the pilgrims could walk. How far off the Camino is Fatima? Is it well? Is this it was an unfortunate thing because we at, at Tumar. That was another reason that we took two nights. We were going to go to Fatima. Yes. And come back, get a bus and go. But it's pretty. It's it, about it forty kilometres, I think. Something yeah. Like yeah it was not um, far. 
it coincided with the first of May, which was a Sunday. Right. And in fact, Major we couldn't have got holiday. we yeah. couldn't have got a bus to go to Fatima, right. so we ended we, up we not going. We didn't go. yeah. So as we went north from Tumar, all the pilgrims were coming oh, south, okay. Okay. and this was when we saw these huge numbers, huge, yeah. huge numbers, and mm. they set up little um, the tent villages. Portuguese army uh, assisting yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, set it's, up accommodation um, for them on the side well, of the road. Well, I noticed well, I was from spending my time when I was in Italy, uh, 1st of May is a very big, it's not the first of spring, but it is certainly, it's the feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Um, well, it, and so it's a big, it's, it's the big- uh, Labor Day. Labor Day, yeah, that we might have called it. Yes. So that's, that's, um, that's made, yeah, yeah, is, is celebrated all over Europe, but it seems to be a, a big day for, um, well, it's a public holiday mm, as well. Yes. So, mm, mm. Um, and certainly it's the pilgrim season, I suppose, has been going mm. for about a month already. Yes, so yeah, yeah. if they haven't started by then, they would have started by the 1st of May. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the interesting thing about yeah. starting in Lisbon as well. You could start earlier than you can yeah necessarily doing the French Camino because the weather is milder, milder yeah. further south. Yeah. Is it demanding? <clears throat> uh, part, parts are. Um, look, I'm just trying to think. I, I don't know that anything was... Nothing really compares with uh, crossing the Pyrenees or the other <laughs> mountain ranges on the French Camino. <laughs> or with uh, Del Norte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there were some... What was more demanding for us probably on, our, on the French Camino, um, we only had one day of rain and that wasn't that heavy mm -hmm. whereas awesome. on the portuguese camino we probably had about 12 days of okay. rain and some of those days were quite cool quite yes. quite cold yeah um, we also but had we some... were properly equipped yeah. to cope yeah. with them mm -hmm. with the rains right we also had some longer distances one day, we walked 35 yeah. kilometers one day and mm, right. thank heaven we met a portuguese fellow who young bloke who Was spoke excellent to... english and, and he was walking to Fatima. Yeah, and he walked with us. This is uh, as we were approaching Tuma. And we had a really interesting conversation Terrific. with him, which just took your mind off the yes. distance. And we just walked in, no problems. We had a, I had an interesting uh, conversation with a guy who I was in, um, I'd have to think about where it was, Bel, Bellarado. Bellarado. Yeah, yeah. and he, it was Mick from Ireland. There you go. So, <laughs> I'm sure we've met a Mick from uh, Ireland You might too. have met one or two in your time. <laughs> and of course, we were there in October. Uh, Bellarado is one or two days before you get into Burgos. And it's not, we didn't actually stay there, um, but we walked through it and we were there. And Mick, um, had been there in June and he was a retired chap and I said Mick you know you're back well, <laughs> this is only what three months later and he said oh yeah I didn't see anything on the first I was um, I, I was too busy talking to people <laughs> uh, I, I said oh really he goes yeah I didn't see anything I just took in I just it, the whole thing is a blur to me so now I am uh, walking on my own and uh, I'm going to take in a few of the sites for myself and just I'm making a, a real point of going on my own this time to just to enjoy it. <laughs> but he, I suppose it's that experience that you're yeah. talking about there, Pat, whereby you do forget. Sometimes it's nice to actually forget about uh, what you're doing or what you're seeing when you're in uh, when you're struggling a little bit. Mm. Yeah, we met. Uh John, 
from Ireland, from, from, from Dublin, Dublin, Dublin on the Francaise between uh, as we were walking to Argis. Argis, yes, yeah. um, and it was a hot day. We were actually going yeah. to stay before Argis, <clears throat> but we didn't like the look of the accommodation, so we kept going to Argis. So that made the long our longest day on the Camino Francaise. It was about twenty eight kilometres. Um, but it was great and he, having him. <laughs> he had walked part of the Camino before with a group from Ireland, including his wife, I think, and mm -hmm. some other people. And I think he was similar, that he was now walking it on his own, on his own to yeah. um, just enjoy it a bit more on mm. his own and not spend the time talking to, all, to these people who were yeah. with him. Yeah. He enjoyed meeting other people on yes, the Camino yeah, as well. Well, I'd like to come to the, the Norte in a, in a moment, but um, before we do that, we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to actually um, uh, play ourselves out to a break with a track that Pat has uh, chosen for us, Elvino de Britannia. Now, Pat, would you like to tell us a little bit about that um, and when you first heard it and uh, why you chose this particular piece? I think uh, I was on the French Camino when we got to Santiago. We visited the cathedral shops where they sell uh, a whole lot of souvenirs, but uh, amongst other things, CDs of traditional music. And I'm not sure which, which uh, Camino we bought this one, but this is uh, from an album of medieval music played on period instruments by a group led by Eduardo Paniagua. And the track is entitled El Vino de Bretagne, The Wine of Brittany, and it has a, a voice part to it as well. And uh, it was just captivated. I think it might have been playing in the shop when we went in, but uh, we bought that CD and I've used it recently on a presentation we gave about Caminos to our local Probus group. So it's a, it's a, it's a piece of um, Galician Celtic music and so we might play ourselves out to the break uh, with El Vino de Pretania by Eduardo Paniagua. Thank you. 
and welcome to today's siesta, where I get the chance to reflect and expand on a point of interest from my guests. Today, Pat and Anne were recollecting their time along the Camino of the Camino Portuguese and noted that although the Camino is well supported in Portugal, in the north at least, the celebration of Fatima is far more popular. Fatima became internationally renowned after the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary by three young shepherd children between May and October 1917. The three children, Lucia dos Santos and her cousins Jacinta and Francisco Mato, reported visions of a luminous lady believed to be the Blessed Virgin Mary who gave them three secrets whilst appearing on the 13th day of each month for six straight months. The only exception was the month of August when the children were arrested by the local mayor who interrogated them and then threatened them by pledging he would boil them in a pot of oil one by one unless they divulged the contents of the secrets. The children, however, resisted. The first secret was a horrifying vision of hell where the souls of poor sinners go and it contained an urgent plea from Our Lady for acts of prayer and sacrifice to save the souls. The second secret specifically prophesied the outbreak of World War II and contained the Mother of God's solemn request for the consecration of Russia as a condition for world peace. The last part of the secret, known as the third secret, was written down in 1944 in a letter by Lucia. It was placed in the care of the Holy See with instructions that no one should read it until 1960. A great deal of controversy then ensued about when and where it should be revealed. What was in it? Would it inflame further persecution of Christians? Where should it be opened and by whom? Finally, in the year 2000, it was opened by Pope John Paul II in Rome, but it proved to be anticlimactic with no apocalyptic predictions, but rather a poetic call to penance by the Blessed Virgin Mary. Fatima now attracts thousands of pilgrims from all over the world, particularly on the pilgrimage days in May and October. Pilgrims gather in the Cova de Iria in an enormous plaza where the, a little chapel was built. The, in the basilica are the tombs of the three visionaries' siblings, Francisco and Jacinta Mato, who died in 1919 and 1920 from the Spanish flu. and that, They were beatified in two, 1970. Lucia de Santos died, a nun, in 2005. traditions of Coffee and Camino is that I do ask the pilgrims to bring in something that is special to them. I call it my show and tell time. So Pat, I did, uh, uh, Anne, I did ask you to bring some things in and what have you got here for us to, to tell us a little bit about something about uh, that is special to you on the Camino? Uh, well, first of all, in Santiago, there's a shop called Rosario Rey um, and I'm wearing a t-shirt from there. I which see that. I, they're a bit different from the usual touristy 
I've got one on two this morning. It's I, think, I think I've, I've got the tourist variety on there. I think, yeah. Which I really like. And from that shop as well, I have, I'm wearing a, a shell. Yes, uh, a pendant. A pendant shell. And I've actually got three of those now. I bought my first one after the Francaise. Mm -hmm. And then I bought my second one after the Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And this is the one I bought last year after the Norte. Yeah, and Anne, it's is showing, uh, Anne is showing me her, her little pendant around the neck there. And it's, uh, it's sort of, it, it looks like it might be sort of, um, how do I describe a that? stylized sculpture. A stylized, stylized sculpture in, in sort of gold or silver there. I think it's in enamel, silver and enamel blue enamel and turquoise, bluey turquoise, which is apt because of us walking the Camino del Norte and being so close to the sea. Yes. Um, and I really, I wear this all the time yes. now. And, um, and I love, I have two t-shirts from this shop that I really <laughs> like as well. And, and well, you've got a few other things. And then, um, well, this is actually our, our John Briarley Camino de Santiago book that walked with us, as you can see, it got a bit wet I on can see that, the, that I day. I can see the Briarley book there, and I have to say, uh, and mine looks probably in the same sort of condition as this one. It uh, Well thumbed. Well, well used, <laughs> even though there are a lot of electronic um, devices that you can get, um, Wise Pilgrim was one that a lot of people use. I must admit, I still enjoyed looking at the guide there and at the maps in the Briley guide mm -hmm. there. Look, I, I think Briley's excellent. His, his model is fantastic. He, he gives you all the information, you know, but, but he has a spiritual guide as well, which is terrific. Gives you terrain maps uh, with um, elevation uh, yeah. chart as well, and fantastic historical and local current information about the places you're walking through. Yeah, look, it's it's the really the go-to guide, I'd say, the mm -hmm. for the English-speaking people. I think mm -hmm. there are one, other ones in other languages that are, are useful. But I do, he does, he does take out, I think he calls it the practical way, the spiritual way and the mystical way mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and look, he has, it's not just a guide, it really is, um, a book about the whole spirit that of mm. the Camino, and mm. he embraces that. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Uh, very, uh, very wholeheartedly. In fact, Mick from Ireland, um, who I was speaking about before the, the break, met him on his last Camino because he really? apparently he, John Briley does walk the, mm. the at least the Camino Francais four times a year. I've heard right. just to update himself. Mm. Yeah, and mm. he met him in a place there. And, Amazing. Uh, uh, the funny story was that Mick said to him, um, well, they, they must have been at a, at a bar somewhere, and this chap that um, leant over to him and says, you've got my book. And Mick says, no, I've got my book. And, but Briley actually meant, no, you're reading my book, my guide. Yeah, so what, they had a bit of a chat. What a wonderful way to introduce himself. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Well, he's, he's also written guides for the Camino Finisterre and the Camino Portuguese. Yes. Um, we've used all his guides and his map book. Uh, they're excellent. Yeah, they are, they are terrific, yeah. <coughs> and so what, and what else um, have you got there? I, I've just got all, no, they're all my um, credentials. credentials. Oh, my, credentials. All my credentials from all our Caminos, including our Aussie Camino. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, the, 
this one here, I must have been on the top there. Is this the, uh, what, this very first one here? Just yeah, like just like so have a look at the here. That's oh. very colourful. Yeah, I put them into it. And the, the credentials are really, uh, you know, a fantastic part of the tradition of the Camino. And um, everybody really does uh, to hold I them in great deal of pride. I Did think you... we bought that one in, we got that one in, um, Saint Jean, Saint didn't we? Oh, okay. And this then, and then like we probably <laughs> got this. This was the next one that we because we you needed send two. Away for them no, prior to going, you've not, got them. no, not oh, for okay. this one. We have. I'll show you in a minute. The, mm -hmm. So this was the next one. I think we maybe got it in Lyon because we needed another one because uh, it starts. It starts or somewhere along we got okay. another one. Yes. And then well, there are these credentials that Anne is showing me. They're very colourful, a lot more colourful than ever I've seen uh, before. And then this was another one we, so we actually got that from the cathedral in Lisbon. It's so a, this was our, our, and this was the other one that I had for the, that I used for the Portuguese one. And then for the Norte, we sent to the Camino Forum. Uh, in San Diego. And, and Ivor, who runs that, and he sent us ah, okay. those. Well, I'm looking at these two credentials that Anne has given me, and yes, they look very, very formal. And, and they're uh, maps on the back and as well. maps on the back as well. They're almost like passports, and a huge uh, map of the network of Caminos all throughout Europe. My God, look at that. It's just a, a, almost like a spider's web of Camino routes through Europe. Yes. And then that's our credential from Santiago to Finisterre and Mugia, oh, okay. which we which got is a special. <coughs> we got that at the Camino one. office in San Diego. Yeah, so, so when you've got yeah. your credential, you could pick up another passport there. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, yeah. when we got our Compostela, yes, yes. 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 We, yes. we just went to the office and bought those. Yeah, oh, that, that's terrific. Wow, because that's about uh, <coughs> four days walk out to Finisterre. I think we took a wee bit longer than that, and we had two nights in Finisterre. And then we walked on to, on to Mugia. Mugia. And we took two, a night, we yes. stopped at Lires on the way to Mugia. And of course, oh, our... The very dear Aussie, Aussie Camino. Camino which is my, I'm just looking at this now, it's my very first one. I've updated it a few times since then. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's all the original stamps and things like that with the with a few of the uh, the prayers and the readings that are there. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm glad it stood up. And the map there. I don't think exactly. <laughs> um, now, thanks very much for that. That's wonderful. You've got some other things. Now, in this little red case that you have here. Uh, no, it, these were in. That's, that's yes, where, that was um, that. Where that, the pendants came from. That's right. Well, terrific. Now, just one uh, final thing uh, about your previous trips is the Camino del Norte. Um, now, I've had very little. Um, reports on this because it re it really is uh, quite a, a challenge uh, mm. would that be right so let us know about when you went and what time of the year and how you found the Camino del Norte okay uh, can I just firstly mention that my show-and-tell oh, <laughs> items sorry. Uh, my no it's okay my diaries which are little diaries yeah. that, I, that I write every day and I find those along with the credentials invaluable in remembering the detail and the other thing we've done after each Camino is to produce a photo album, which has probably the most memorable photographs wow. that we've uh, taken along the way, uh, particularly not only of the places and the historical buildings, but particularly of the people we met. But we'll we'll show you that later. I'll have to have a look at that okay. At the Norte. Um, that's showing me. Uh, <laughs> uh, looks like almost like a, a glossy 
um, coffee table book that they've made with uh, a lot of the maps and the credentials that they've used and you've obviously had this sort of self-published yes, and yeah. of the photos that's done. I'll have a look at that in a moment. It looks right. absolutely terrific. And I can see your little diaries there as well. I kept the diary. It was, it was quite good. Um, I really did enjoy it. It really does, you know, you forget things along the yes, way. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, right, you asked about the Norte. Um, look, I think we had a, a thought about that some time ago, but we were a bit uh, put off by the reputation of difficulty and length. Anyway, a friend of ours, uh, who's uh, by the name of John Monaghan, had walked it with uh, his sister, I think, and some friends, and uh, had sent us his account of that, and we thought, oh, well, maybe we'll give it a go. And uh, so we did a bit of research, got a hold of uh, a uh, guide book for it, and uh, looked at some stuff online and decided that, that we could probably handle it. And we were attracted by the walking along the north coast of Spain as well and going to cities like Bilbao and Santander, which we'd visited very briefly a few years ago when we did a bus tour of those parts of Spain we hadn't walked across, um, thinking that we would never get to them anyway. But strangely enough, we came back and, and we did revisit Bilbao and Santander and uh, some other places as well. Anyway, um, we, how did we get there? Uh, oh yeah, we flew into Barcelona from Australia and then took a train from Barcelona uh, to the north coast uh, and then another train from, that was into Santander station, then a, a local train to Irun on the border with France. Mm -hmm. We started there and um, I think, uh, I've forgotten how long it took us, uh, 55 days, I think, Yes. to walk the 840 kilometres. And to Finisterre Muja, yeah. 55 days oh, included. Oh, that's right. Yeah, to, that's yeah. right. To, on to there. So it was 49 days, I think, was that right, or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for like the Camino del Norte, and that included a couple of rest days. Mm -hmm. We planned additional rest days, but we found that... Uh, one of those we had to use walking because the distances were fairly significant and we thought we'd break up a very long day into two slightly shorter ones. Um, the, the coast is really beautiful and in fact it is challenging, physically challenging, because on the coast you're ascending and descending all the time. Every couple of kilometres there's another re-entrant or creek or river flowing into the into the Atlantic and uh, so you have to descend to that and then climb out of it again. And we had some really very interesting experiences uh, with some physically very demanding climbing uh, to some significant high points along the way, a number of those in fact. Um, we decided to yeah. do a number of alternative routes, um, options, <laughs> options um, to be nearer the coast or... Or to follow the original Camino, which has now been bypassed because mm. it was a bit too hard. We thought, yeah. oh, well, we'll do the, the harder bit. Yeah, and there's sometimes uh, I have heard that there are some major freeways and things. Yes, like the yes, there are. Too. Yeah, mm. which and certainly happens on the Camino Frances as well, yeah. So um, I'd have to ask you, again, why do you keep coming back? You've done all of these trips since 2014, uh, you've, you've been um, 
doing these Caminos and what, what do you think keeps bringing you back each time? A good number of things, I think. Um, it, it's addictive. Yeah, it is addictive. But <laughs> one of the fundamental lessons that, that I learned anyway after our first Camino was that um, the journey is just as important as the destination. And while you're focused on walking from wherever you start to Santiago, and Santiago is wonderful, and it is an extraordinary experience to attend the Pilgrim's Mass in the cathedral, and an and equally uh, moving experience to go to the English language Mass in one of the side chapels oh, okay. from the main altar, which is terrific as well. Uh, much more intimate experience than the main cathedral Mass, but still, um, they're different but very moving. Um, the experience of actually walking and and enjoying the terrain and understanding the history and seeing the fantastic buildings along the way is wonderful. Probably the most impressive or the most uh, touching part of the walking is actually meeting different people and on the Caminos that we've walked, we only met one person in all that time who was really didn't give us a good vibe, if I could put it that way. Um, everybody else was kind, uh, generous, helpful, and uh, very good. friendly. Yeah, very friendly. Very and and people would be remarkably open with you about their life experiences without being intrusive in any way uh, but or, or losing their their own privacy but they would be completely open to you uh, almost immediately upon meeting you because they identified another pilgrim a fellow pilgrim and um, I mean that just that was wonderful. We met wonderful people, wonderful people. Really. I think that was the same for me too. It doesn't matter whether you come from Europe or North America or as far as we do here in Australia. Going on a Camino is a reasonably significant trip. It just has to be because you are putting yourself um, on the road. You're taking time off from work if that's what you're doing. You're certainly traveling a lot. You're spending some money to get there. And it's um, so it has to it has to mean something to you, otherwise mm. you wouldn't go. And uh, there might be some people that didn't enjoy it and go back, but most people I found really enjoy it. And it is punctuated either something's just happened in their lives, or they they've got a break before something else significant's happening in their mm. life—a new mm. job or a new relationship or a new place to live or whatever. But that's what I found. You're sort of almost in in um, immediate union with somebody. Or, uh, mm. uh, straight away because you're just doing something which is significant. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You're both doing it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I was just every day thankful for was the experience of being able to walk in nature, in, a, yeah. in beautiful parts of the world. And, you know, there's a, a, a common prejudice against walking the Meseta and people often say, Oh, I caught a bus from uh, Burgos to Leon and, you know, avoided the Meseta. Um, and I thought, I'm so glad we walked it. It was wonderful. Uh, it was reminiscent a bit of uh, northern Victoria, rolling country with uh, big crops and big horizons and big skies, with the uh, uh, 
Cordillera, Cantabria to the north, to your right-hand side as you're walking along. Um, it was just fantastic. And because we walked in summer uh, on the French Camino, we started very early in the morning before the heat of the day, and uh, the dawns were just fantastic. Beautiful light appearing in the sky after you'd walked under the stars. Cool and really wonderful. And the, the same experience with nature on the Portuguese Camino and particularly the Del Norte. It was wonderful. We walked out of um, Castro Jerez very er in the dark in the morning and um, there's quite a long road until you come to the, the hill. Um, yes, sort of escarpment. Yeah, yeah. It sort of takes you by surprise. <laughs> In no, the dark. This and is not in the guidebook. Is it, <laughs> well, it is in the guidebook. <laughs> the Alto's at 900 metres and yes. you've come from, oh well, it says you've only come from 810, but I think in fact you go down That's from right. Castro Jerez and along the river and valley. then you climb yeah. up the If you weren't the awake Alto. when you climbed out of there, you'd be awake <laughs> at the top of that hill. That's the most fantastic part was it was still dark when yeah. we were climbing this and we r looked back and we could see a snake of headlamps coming towards us walking, from Castro Pilgrims, Harris, Pilgrims walking, walking behind walking us. with their headlamps. Yeah. And then we got up to the top of the Alto and we stopped there and had our breakfast, our banana and biscuits and cheese, and the, the dawn came and mm. the light was amazing. And you get a it was lovely a fantastic view up experience. and down the valley from Castro mm. Mm. Yes, mm. yes. There's a little, ro you actually walk out of town along a little Roman aqueduct. That's right, yes, that's right. That's yes, right. Exactly, that's right. exactly. Yeah. And, um, there's a, just a little picnic spot at the top there. Yes. And you can't help but look back mm. over that. Mm. Yeah. Of the, um, it's beautiful, that, mm. that little time. We loved the Masetta as well. Mm. I, mm. Some, you know, um, some people said no, they're going to give it a miss. And, uh, no, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I took the view, or we took the view. I'm just going to work, walk each day. I don't know, it, we could be along a main road, or mm. it could be, some people might say, oh, it was a bit dull. Coming in and out of the main cities often is um, a bit forgettable sometimes mm. because it can be quite industrial. Mm. But it, for me, it made me feel so much more relaxed because I wasn't yeah. cherry picking. Yes. Oh, I like this part. Yes, yes. I don't like yeah. this part. For yeah. me, the whole experience yeah. was walking each day. Yeah. If mm. the, the walk out of Leon when we were there is particularly, I'd have to say it's a bit drab. Um, the first three quarters of the day, just along the freeway, and you go to th go through an industrial site and up past some old car yards and empty factories and things. It's mm. not great. It's a, it's okay, but you know, in all honesty, um, when you're a bit tired and sore and it's quite flat, I, I was grateful for mm. to be able to do that. We weren't going to get lost. We knew mm. exactly where mm. we had to go, and we didn't cherry pick mm. any particular mm. day. We just said, yep. this is the day that we shall walk mm. yes. we're going to, um, regardless of what it's yeah. going to be. And to have took, the experience. Yeah, and yeah. it took a great yeah. deal of um, anxiety out of mm. me because I never expected anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, I, I, look, I think I that's a, absolutely the right mm. philosophy. You know, on the Del Norte, uh, you walk through um, a number of cities 
one of which has got this massive steel plant that you walk beside and then you climb a hill and look down over the top of it. Well, I found that very interesting, actually. Uh, it was just, it, it was industry, but that's that's part of the world. That's the, yeah, that's, we need steel and uh, it's got to be made somewhere and the fact that it happens to be on the Camino, it's fine. Um, so we, we were very accepting as well. And I think the other thing about walking and everybody, most people would say this, I imagine, is that um, you walk along with your own thoughts and taking in every experience that you're having at the time, and you do find peace. I think there's no question about that. You just absolutely calm down and uh, feel good. On a lot of the Caminos, I don't know so much about the Del Norte, certainly on the Frances and I think on the Portuguese, we came across big black snails walking along oh. with us. <laughs> and you really just about feel like a snail mm. in comparison with going in a car or a bus or a train, um, because you're going very slowly and you are taking in every single thing mm. that you can see around about you. Yeah. Um, the beautiful flowers um, mm. and, the and, forests. and the local people as <laughs> yeah. well. When we got to Galicia, the animals. <laughs> we got to Galicia and uh, uh, we just... Uh, on the Frances. Yeah, on the Frances and uh, we came across these eucalypt plantations. <laughs> And, yes. and there's a, a, an American couple were walking with us at that stage, and this American bloke said, oh, what are those trees? And I said, they're eucalypts, mate. <laughs> they're gum trees, and they're from Australia. Yeah. And it was just fantastic. And, and as you get closer to Santiago, as you know, near uh, Opadruzo, there are stands of eucalypts that must be 60 or 80 years old. They're yes. huge, huge trees. And they are... Straight as a die, they've grown mm. in plantations. Yeah, and Mount Nash, I, yes. I think. That, Apparently yeah. they brought them there because they grow so quickly mm. and they can use them for, yeah, they use them for wood. And wood, uh, and, furniture and, and, and fire wood. And uh, water is not a problem. Mm. So mm. these, I, I reckon these gum trees are absolutely shocked that because <laughs> uh, they, they're probably thinking to themselves, God, we never had anything like this back in Australia. That's right. So, yeah, it's in, very um, Guess what? No koalas. On the Frances, you don't see them till Galicia, but on the Portuguese ah. and on the Camino del Norte, yes. they are the whole way across ah, okay. and the whole way up yes. in mm. Portugal. Okay. And in fact, in the last few years, um, have suffered a lot because of um, fires. fires. Mm. And but anyway, it was, it's great to, to see that bit of Australia. Mm. Uh, well, welcome up all that. Mm. Well, we have to ask you now, before we wrap it up, what's next? You're, um, you've got something else planned, I know. Enough, um, and, uh, it's okay. Oh, or planned for... No, you've got yes. your next... Well, this year, this year we're actually going to Scott to the UK, and we're walking four and a half walks. We're walking the Great Glen Way in Scotland from Fort William to Inverness. We're walking St Cuthbert's Way from Melrose to Lindisfarne on Holy Isle, and from a bit of the St Oswald's Way from Lindisfarne to Almouth, and then Hadrian's Wall Path from. Walls End in Newcastle to Bowness on Solway, and then we're going to walk the Cotswold Way as well from Chipping Camden to Bath. Well, and then <laughs> in 2020, we are 
hopefully going to walk the from Le Puy. The Via Podiensis. En Valais, Le Puy en Valais, the Via Podiensis, or the Chemin de Saint-Jacques in France, um, to Saint-Jean, and then from Saint-Jean to Santiago on the Camino okay. Francaise, which will be about 1,600 kilometres. Yes, um, it, I have heard a few people do it. Le Puy is, sounds like a, um, is a, well, it is a major departure point. Mm. Yes. Yep. From the yeah. From there. yeah. Well, it's, that's um, really wet the, the appetite for me, uh, <laughs> and certainly it sounds like you've got a lot there um, ahead, and it sounds terrific. We'll have to catch up next time we're back. So I might wrap it up today. Um, so thank you very much, Pat and Anne O'Brien, who have joined me here at the Catholic Leadership Centre in East Melbourne. Uh, my name's Luke Mills, and I've been taking this podcast of Coffee and Camino. And thanks very much for listening, and I hope you can make it uh, back next time. Bye-bye.